Set to become an unrestricted free agent on March 15th, the Seahawks ensured that a key piece of their interior offensive line didn't hit the market. We'll have more details in our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your lead host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Ring. It's Transaction Tuesday. And as always, a special thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We're going to be revisiting the quarterback situation for the Seahawks. We talked yesterday about Greg Olson's arrival as the quarterback coach. Maybe that opens the door for some other possibilities, not named Geno Smith. We let our fans have some input on what's going to happen with the Seahawks quarterback situation. And we're going to continue our free agent primers with the speedy Marquise Goodwin. Will he be back for a second season next to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in Seattle's receiving core? A jam-packed Tuesday episode coming your way, courtesy of FanDuel Sportsbook. Official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash on today to get started. Now for your lead story here on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Phil Haynes was set to become an unrestricted free agent on March 15th, but the Seahawks ensured that that is not going to happen, making their second free agent signing of the offseason. You may remember Jason Myers, the first one a few weeks ago, but now Phil Haynes coming back on a one-year extension for 2023. Various reports out there saying $4 million base salary, up to $5 million in incentives. Rob, that would suggest to me that the Seahawks are viewing Phil Haynes as a starter at right guard next season. And it seems like that further clouds the future for Gabe Jackson, the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, what we do know, because the Seahawks have announced it themselves, is that Phil Haynes has agreed to a deal. We don't know the the exact parameters of that contract right now. As you said, Corbin, there have been various reports out there, four to $5 million. And if that is the case, then yes, then that is very much in line with a young starter. And I do mention the word young here because Phil Haynes, 27 years old, is still a young starter. And I, I don't like this move. I love this move from the Seahawks perspective as well as for Phil Haynes perspective because again he is a young player who is betting on himself by signing a one-year deal if he is the full-time starter a year from now then he is going to be looking for a much bigger contract after this but at the same time if you know we got Pete Carroll and John Schneider over in the corner and kind of whispered in their ears and said, hey, what's your priority moving forward? Obviously, they would say the quarterback position. But you have to do a little bit of recruiting at this point if you're going to be bringing back a Geno Smith. So one of the biggest areas of concern for the team, of course, is getting bigger and stronger and younger up front. And so reward one of your own in Phil Haynes uh, by bringing him back. That has to be one of your very top 
priorities. So I love the move in that regard. Uh, I also love the fact that, and you mentioned it, Jason Myers before, when you have an impeccable season, the way that Myers did, he should be your top priority. So it, it just feels like the Seahawks corporate are kind of checking off some of the critical boxes before we get to the combine on the day in which the, uh, the franchise tag window opens up. I think that this was a symbolic move in some ways that the Seahawks are trying to make sure that they check off all of the boxes that they need to do before they make the big decision at quarterback. Yeah, I think that that's a very good point. They're trying to take care of some of this other business before the NFL combine comes up beginning of next month. And what a lot of fans don't necessarily understand, of course, the combine they're going to be paying close attention to what the prospects are going to be doing with their workouts, with the meetings that they have with teams, everything that goes on in Indy. But there's a lot of roster-related stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Last year, a certain quarterback named Russell Wilson, the Seahawks were working on a deal with the Denver Broncos to trade him away in Indianapolis. And so a lot of business happens in Indianapolis at the combine and I would anticipate that they are going to be trying to set themselves up where they can solely focus on hammering out a long-term deal with Geno Smith in early March at the combine so they don't have to use the franchise tag and that deadline is going to be coming up on March 7th so they have three weeks that window starting today but going back to Phil Haynes it's interesting we've been doing our free agent primers here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast and Phil Haynes was actually the player that we were scheduled to talk about today in our final segment and then the news comes out from the Seahawks themselves. They posted pictures of Haynes signing the contract, so we know that it's officially official, and I'm with you. I love this move just in the fact that you gave yourself an insurance policy here because if you decide to move on from Gabe Jackson, which this very well shows me that they are going to be doing that at some point here sooner rather than later, you wouldn't want to end up in a position where you were cutting him and Phil Haynes was heading towards free agency. So you made sure that one of those guys that was a pseudo starter for you on the right side last year is going to be on the roster. And it sets up for them to have a competition next season with this maybe being the best chance that Haynes has had his entire career to actually be the guy, to be the starter. Maybe Jake Curhan is in that competition draft somebody as well, an incoming rookie, maybe a free agent. It opens up options, but it also gives you an insurance policy with Phil Haynes coming back. And here's the undeniable truth, Rob. The Seahawks in the three games that Phil Haynes started last year, they went 3-0. and They rushed for 117 yards per game. Week 7 and Week 8, they had two big wins where Ken Walker III went for over 250 yards and had three touchdowns. A big part of that was the blocking of Phil Haynes up front. And he just, quite frankly, didn't get enough reps in the run game the rest of the season. A bunch of games with less than 10 run blocking reps. We've seen what he can do, what he can do in that capacity. And now this provides that opportunity for him again at only 27 years old. He can not only earn a starting job next year, but this could position him to still be part of the team's long-term plans because he is a young player that still hasn't played a lot of snaps in the NFL. No, exactly. And I, I remember when Seattle made the selection of Phil Haynes in a Wake Forest a couple of years ago, and I was kind of teased because I was I was doing live radio, sports radio, KJR, um, and, and called it a home run selection. And, and people kind of looked at me like, you're crazy. This is an offensive lineman in the fourth round. You can't have a, a home run selection with an interior offensive lineman. But the reason why I was so excited about Corbin is because I saw a former basketball player who was pretty light 
fight on his feet that played with the physicality, with the nastiness. And that was a combination that I just, you don't see very often. To me, it screamed future starter in the NFL. Now, if I'm going to pat myself on the back by the fact that, that Phil Haynes is signing his second contract with Seattle, then I certainly have to acknowledge the whiff that, that I, I and others have had so far because Phil Haynes has not been that home run selection. He has struggled with durability. He has not proven himself to be a solid starter, but a pseudo starter, as you just mentioned before. But I do think, again, this kind of just speaks to the fact that the Seahawks see that upside. They see the work ethic. They see a player who is still ascending. And yet at the same time, they're not going to just get too far over their skis and give him this massive contract because yeah. you don't know if he can be the guy moving forward. So I, I think that this was a very much an insurance policy. It is a move that the, it makes sense to do it before you do anything with Gabe Jackson. Because if you were to release Gabe Jackson, then suddenly all the leverage is in Phil Haynes and his representatives favor. And if, as you just mentioned the possibility that Phil Haynes just walks elsewhere and then suddenly you have this potentially gaping hole at the right guard position you basically just told everybody else in the NFL what your plans might be in free agency or the draft so to me this is kind of that preemptive strike to make sure you get your good young homegrown and still ascending players on your roster before you ever get to the, the NFL draft and free agency conversation so again I just really like this move for the CX I think that this is uh you know anticipating your concerns rather than being late and addressing them, uh, you know, when you basically are giving away money or giving away draft uh, commodities to, to basically fill the same hole that you should have been able to fill at this time in the year. It is a textbook prove it deal. You want to see if he can be the guy, but you're not going to throw multiple years and too much money at him until you see that he can be that starter to this point. We'll see that hurts, but it, Add this real quick. We don't have anything official from the Seahawks, but thanks to our friends at the Pedestrian Podcast, they broke the news. And according to my sources, they are 100% accurate on this. Nick Bloor will also be resigning with the Seahawks by the end of the week. So once that news becomes official, we will break that move down as well. But it looks like the veteran special teams ace will be coming back for a fifth season with the Seahawks in 2023. Coming up next, it's Transaction Tuesday. We're going to move to the quarterback position. Seattle's obviously got a major decision to make with Geno Smith. But might there be some other options worth exploring under center at the most important position? We let our fans dictate where this discussion is heading with our latest Transaction Tuesday. We'll get to that here in a moment on Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me and you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then I've got the thing for you. You've got to try Built Bars. They're so delicious, you won't think that they're good for you. It's perfect for your New Year's resolution. And what makes Built Bars so good is they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They come in amazing flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, my personal favorite, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but they make these bars that taste like candy bars with amazing macros, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait around to get a box shipped to you. 
For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, and now you can get them at either Walmart or your local Sam's Club. Head to your nearest Walmart today and go to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs, delicious flavors. If you are close to Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13-bar box with other hit flavors such as brownie batter or churro. You can thank me later. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there. Whether it's your first time listening to the Locked on Seahawks podcast or you are a diehard regular listener, we greatly appreciate you making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. It's Transaction Tuesday as we do each and every week here in the offseason, we look at a certain position group or a group of players, and we allow our diehard listeners to chime in on what they think is going to happen. And with the franchise tag window opening today, Rob, I think it's a fitting time to talk about what direction the Seahawks are going to go at quarterback. Now, all signs are pointing to Geno Smith and the Seahawks both wanting to get a deal done. They seem motivated to make this a reunion in 2023 and beyond. At the same time, it's not necessarily a 100% home run that Geno Smith is going to be back because he's probably going to be asking for a ton of money after making the Pro Bowl this year. And so that opens the door, especially with Greg Olson coming in as the quarterback coach. Maybe the Seahawks will be turning over other stones to see. Maybe are there's some other options. And so this was the question that I posted on social media yesterday. For our diehard listeners, which QBs will be on the roster? The five options, A, of course, Geno Smith coming off his Pro Bowl season. B, Drew Locke, who was the backup last year coming over the Russell Wilson trade. C, an incoming rookie. D, a free agent signee. And E, a player that comes over via trade. So we've got five different options here. And Obviously, Rob, you would think that the favorite here is going to be the two quarterbacks that were on the roster last season, but it isn't that simple necessarily as both players get set to become free agents. Well, yeah, it's not simple at all. Uh, you know, as you said, uh, Geno Smith, I think, is the the favorite. Um, but at the same time, he's coming off of such extraordinary year. There's going to be an awful lot of teams out there who are going to be looking to throw big, big money at Geno Smith. So I think with every day that passes, it's a lot easier for the player to say, hey, that, that was a really fun Really cool season with the Seahawks in 2022, but what have you done for me lately? And and this is exactly what Geno Smith has been playing, um, you know, his entire NFL career for this type of opportunity to have generational wealth. And he now has that opportunity. And, and maybe he is going to give the Seahawks the so-called hometown discount, even though this isn't technically his hometown, of course, but maybe he won't. And, and so that's why I think that that is complicated from that regard. And then of course you got Drew Locke, who I'm, I'm sure still feels very confident that he can start in this league. I still have that belief that he can start in this league. And if Geno Smith returns, then Clearly, he is going to be Seattle's presumed starter, and Drew Locke knows that as well as anybody. So I, I think that it would be difficult to imagine a scenario in which both of those two players return. Um, you know, so I, for me, 
I'm just going to jump out with my opinion where I think this would be. I, I, I'm aware for those of you who are not watching us on YouTube, and thank you for everybody who watches on YouTube, everybody who is listening to us on the various podcast platforms. But I'm wearing a black shirt today, Corbin, because AC, kind of like AC, DC back in black, I can absolutely see the most, the likeliest scenario, at least in my opinion, would be options A, retaining Geno Smith, and C, drafting another quarterback to fill out the roster. That's where I think is the most likely scenario. I think you can make an argument for all of these scenarios. That's why I love this selection. I love the, the position that the Seahawks have put themselves in. Um, but again, I do think that the most likely scenario is that Seattle brings back Geno Smith on some type of a mutually beneficial type of a deal, but at the same time takes advantage of this year's quarterback class and the fact that they have those 10 draft picks, including the, the two first round picks, really to be able to get themselves a young quarterback for the future as well. I posted a poll to go with the original question about who is going to be starting for the Seahawks under center next year. And honestly, Rob, I thought that Geno Smith was going to be above 85%, but with 674 votes, it was actually only at 70.3. That's obviously still a major majority of the votes, but Drew Locke got 9.3%. An incoming rookie got 14.1%. So there's still a decent-sized contingency of fans out there that think that the starting quarterback for the Seahawks is going to come from April's draft. And then 6.2%, you had a handful of people that were either saying Lamar Jackson or Justin Fields as the starting quarterback for the Seahawks next season. And that's another option that'll be for a discussion for another day. But just looking at a handful of listener responses, I will tell you this, most of our listeners said A and B. They would like to see Geno Smith and Drew Locke do it again. I personally think that it's far-fetched to think both of them are going to be back, especially because Dave Canales is now in Tampa Bay. And I think Drew Locke, most likely of the two quarterbacks, is most likely to be going to the Buccaneers to compete for a starting job. He has a much better chance to do that there than in Seattle with Geno Smith, who is going to be the guy if they're going to be paying him the money that he is going to be asking for. But most of our listeners said A and B, or they said A and C with that incoming draft pick learning under Geno Smith starting in 2023. Few responses that we had. One coming from Bucket. He tweets, See, I've always had a weird feeling that Seattle is going to trade up to number one or two and draft Bryce Young without trading number five pick. I don't know what they would be trading to get to number one if they're not trading the number five pick. And then D, I also feel like Geno and Drew will move on. So bringing in a capable backup will be important. Someone like Tyrod Taylor. So that was kind of a little bit different response there. Bryce Young and Tyrod Taylor being the Seahawks quarterbacks next year. And then Mark Andre Ross said Geno Smith and Tyler Huntley, who has started a handful of games for the Baltimore Ravens. That might seem a little far-fetched, especially with Lamar Jackson's future up in the air in Baltimore. NCPNS tweets, not what I would do, but I expect Geno and Anthony Richardson in the draft. That's been a common name that we've thrown around here as well. And then Trevor Boland. Drew Locke or Sam Darnold starting while they develop Anthony Richardson. So there's a name that I did not expect to see on today's uh, Transaction Tuesday, the possibility of Sam Darnold starting for the Seattle Seahawks next season. But I think the big moral of the story here, and we talked about this some yesterday with Greg Olson, the announcement that he was going to be the quarterback coach for the Seahawks. There still was not anything official that came out today, but all signs are pointing to that being taken care of in the next day or two. 
with his background, he's worked with veterans. He's worked with young quarterbacks and squeezed out career seasons from Blake Bortles and Josh Freeman in the past. So he's worked with different quarterbacks of varying skill sets, age, play styles, you name it. It does open the door for the Seahawks to have more flexibility and more confidence in looking at other options, including bringing in rookies, because you know the track record for Greg Olson. And, and you also know there's a certain free agent that is available right now that had his two best seasons in Las Vegas playing for Greg Olson. And so I guess I will just say this, Rob, my personal opinion, I, I agree with you. I think Geno Smith and a rookie coming in is probably the most plausible outcome here. But I think that it's a little more out in the open now that there could be somebody else that emerges, whether it's a rookie they fall in love with, they draft early, or Derek Carr or somebody like that in free agency. If Geno Smith outprices himself, which could happen, maybe Seattle decides, you know what, we got a, a QB coach that knows this player really well. He's been a good quarterback in the NFL. Maybe they choose to go another direction. I doubt that happens, but really the moral of the story here. They have created a ton of flexibility for themselves at the most important position on the field. They absolutely have. I mean, they have created such flexibility for themselves. Again, it's one of the things that I kind of applaud how the Seahawks have, have done this, just because of the fact that, again, they have the draft picks. They they have the, the experience in the coaching staff, whether it be Pete Carroll, whether it be Greg Olson, to to – go that route should they want to. And I think that they've got to be as confident as they've ever felt that, hey, our system works. We can find a quarterback off of the so-called scrap heap out there that everybody else thinks can't play, and they will be successful in our system. And it's not just Geno Smith. It's not just Russell Wilson. Go back to Tavares Jackson and Matt Hasselback. I mean, that you know, and obviously the dip, the myriad of quarterbacks that Pete Carroll had his success with at USC and previously with the Patriots and the Jets as NFL head coach as well. Quarterback has not been the issue very often for Pete Carroll's teams. It has been turning the ball over or some inconsistency on defense, whatever the case might be. But quarterback has actually been a position that has been pretty consistent throughout uh, Pete Carroll's coaching career. So again, I think I think that the likeliest scenario is again bringing back Geno Smith. But I agree with you. I think that there is a number that is in the Seahawks' head that they will not go past. And if Geno Smith bets on himself and, and just looks for that biggest top dollar, I do think the Seahawks are confident enough in their own ability to evaluate the prospects in this draft as well as those veterans who are available. I think Derek Carr is a fascinating name um, to keep in mind here. As you mentioned with the, the familiarity with Greg Olson, um, you know, and just the fact that you're talking about a West Coast guy that, uh, you know, has been very successful in the NFL. You put Derek Carr's numbers up against just about anybody out there. This is a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback who is still young, still hungry. Um, so, again, I think that the Seahawks have a lot of flexibility at the quarterback position. I don't think that they feel like they have to have a, a, a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, a Lamar Jackson, one of those guys who is so special that they demand and such an incredible amount of salary cap dollars. I think that they feel like they can get a good player, yeah. build around him by bringing back free agents like Phil Haynes, for example, addressing the defense and being able to win that way. And I think what really, to cap this conversation off, I think what makes this even more fascinating and maybe adds more intrigue with Olsen coming in, 
If they don't get a long-term deal hashed out in the next three weeks, the Seahawks have to use the franchise tag on Geno Smith by March 7th. The issue is if you decide to go that route and you are maybe looking into Derek Carr or somebody else like that, you can't make both those moves simultaneously. You will have to be able to trade Geno Smith maybe to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if they can get out of salary cap hell or whoever else might be interested you would have to quickly have a bunch of dominoes fall in your way. And it would be extremely difficult to do all that stuff in short order. Not saying that it couldn't happen, but uh, I just think it's interesting to think about the deadline because if they're hell-bent on Geno Smith being the guy, then that's going to be an easy decision for them to use that franchise tag. And you'd think they'd want to use it anyway to ensure that they get something back in return, even if they're not able to bring him back in 2023. But again, there's just so much intrigue here because you've got the talented quarterback class in this draft class. You've got some quality free agents. Carr, as I mentioned, 48 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. The two best seasons passer rating-wise were in 2019 and 2020 with Greg Olson as his offensive coordinator. So there's that familiarity there, playing in a similar offense. I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but the point is the Seahawks certainly have given themselves options here as we get into the meat of the offseason, if Geno Smith's not going to be the guy, I still expect that he will be. But smart general managers and smart front offices, they don't leave a stone unturned, especially at the quarterback position. You know that John Schneider and company are making sure that that's the case as well. And they're looking into all the different avenues that they could potentially go at the most important position in professional sports. Coming up next, we're going to continue our free agent primer. It was supposed to be Phil Haynes today, and he's got himself a new contract signed, sealed, and delivered. So we are going to look at the receiver position instead. Marquise Goodwin had a bit of a rejuvenation season. Wasn't enough to bring him back for a second year in 2023. We'll be discussing here on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought to you away by FanDuel. We're now past the midway point of the NBA season. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat to $1 back. First bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. I'm a big fan of betting on player props, including FanDuel's player double parlays. For example, you can bet on Andrew Wiggins to eclipse 20 points in the Warriors' first game after the All-Star break at plus 175. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined as always by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there as always for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. It's time to continue talking free agency. The Seahawks doing a little bit of Cleaning up here, heading towards the Combine. They signed Phil Haynes today. Reportedly, there's going to be a contract coming for Nick Ballore as well. Another key veteran free agent that maybe has a chance to be back next year. And we wouldn't have been talking about this a year ago because he wasn't even on the roster until May. But Marquise Goodwin had a bit of a rejuvenation season with the Seahawks as their clear-cut number three receiver finished with more receiving yards and more receptions in a season than he had had since way back in 2019 when he was with 
the 49ers. So certainly he built chemistry with Geno Smith. He gave the Seahawks another explosive weapon. He did a lot of damage out of the slot. The biggest question marks are going to obviously be age and injury concerns. He's coming off a shoulder injury that landed him on injured reserve late in the season. He battled a couple other injuries during the season. Not a big receiver either. So there are some concerns here at the same time. This was clearly the best three receiver option the Seahawks had had in a number of years, and he could still fly at 32 years of age. Yeah, that's the thing is he can absolutely fly. You, you know, you still, of course, don't know exactly what you're going to have at the quarterback position. But if it is Geno Smith, then the rapport that he and Marquise Goodwin demonstrated in their one season together was impressive. You mentioned the durability factor. To me, that's the scariest thing here is you're talking about a wide receiver, Corbin, who has played nine seasons in the NFL and only one of them did he play all 16 games. But at the same time, speed answers all questions in the NFL. And unlike the receiver and running back positions we've talked about here recently, I am not in love with this wide receiver class. Now, there's going to be some good football players, but there's a reason why I've projected the Seahawks to go with the receiver as early as the first round, because to me, it really drops off. And so there's just not a lot of guys who can run the way that Marquise Goodwin can. So if Seattle was to offer for him a similar deal as to what they gave him a year ago, basically just 1.2 to $1.3 million. Yeah, I think that's a great deal for the Seahawks as well as for Marquise Goodwin because he may not have a lot of suitors out there. But as you said, it's been his most productive year in the NFL for the last several seasons. And so I do think that there is a good chance that he could be retained. And I think that you, that he could actually even eclipse the numbers that he had this past year because there's going to be that much more confidence in Goodwin from the get-go and of course we have yet to see any type of real push by d Eskridge or some of Seattle's other wide receivers if they might be able to take that speedy kind of slot position or deep downfield kind of a target we, we saw some flashes for, from some of Seattle's other wide receivers but nobody with the consistency that Goodwin demonstrated he was known as just a speed guy before we saw some pretty uh you know pretty sticky routes from him. Um, they're doing a great job of showing off his versatility as a route runner this past season, a little bit more physicality than certainly I was expecting as a run blocker as well. Um, and I like the leadership that, that he demonstrated also. So again, I think that this is somebody that Seattle should be looking to retain, but again, at one of those bargain basement type of prices, not somebody you're going to be looking to break the bank for. I would think 1.5 million or less, including the incentives. This strikes me as one of those situations where I think the Seahawks are going to have interest in bringing back Goodwin, but I don't expect that they're going to be rushing to do it at the beginning of free agency. Yep. And if another team plucks him up during that time, then so be it. I think that this is going to be a situation where, like last year, they're going to wait to see what happens in the draft. And if they feel like they need to add another receiver, then they can go back to Marquise Goodwin. I just don't know that teams are going to be rushing up to the plate to sign him because of his age, the fact he's coming off a shoulder injury. And even though he was productive last year, he had a couple of seasons, didn't even play in 2020, opted out because of COVID. 2021 had minimal numbers with the Chicago Bears. Not a player that has had much production in a two or three year span until this past year, but he clearly was a good fit in Seattle. And this guy's an excellent locker room presence with everything that he's dealt with off the field, the maturity that he has 
and that he has displayed through so much adversity that he and his wife have dealt with, with losing children and things of that nature. He's just been through a lot off the field. And so this, this guy brings it in the locker room. He brings it on the field. And so he's the kind of guy that you want to have on your football team. And he still can run in the low four threes. He might not be a four two seven guy anymore, but he is still blazing fast. And as you said, speed is ultimately the answer when you're talking about different concerns. If you can get a guy that's fast onto your football team, you're going to find a way to do it. And so I think there's a good chance this happens, especially when you consider that he led the team averaging 14.3 yards per reception last year. He was a dynamic playmaker that didn't necessarily have a bunch of like 40, 50 yard chunk plays, but he was getting a lot of 20 plus yard reception for the Seahawks. And he made a lot of big plays out of the slot too. 187 of his 387 receiving yards came out of the slot, which we know that has been an issue for this football team. And without getting any production from D Eskridge, that's really the big X factor here. If they still believe in D Eskridge, maybe that prevents them from re-signing Goodwin, but I don't know why you wouldn't have veteran insurance with the fact that you haven't been able to keep Eskridge on the field. And when he has played, his production has been minimal for the most part. And so I think there's a very good chance that Goodwin is back this season. The fact he doesn't play special teams at this point maybe prevents him from signing, but just how consistent and the chemistry that he had with Geno Smith, especially if Geno's re-signed. I think Geno Smith would be telling the front office, hey, if we can bring him back, let's see if we can do that, because he did have good chemistry with Marquise Goodwin. And anytime you can have three guys that can fly, like Goodwin, Lockett, and Metcalf on the field together, it makes life tough for defenses. So they could still draft a receiver early in April and bring back Goodwin. There's a lot of different options here. I just don't think that this is a situation where the Seahawks are going to have to rush to make a decision whether they're going to bring him back. And it would be one of those late offseason additions that they could bring back in and be confident that he can produce in this offense. Yeah, I think that's well said. I, I don't think that Marquise Goodwin is going to be a huge priority, but again, this is just a good football player. I mean, he scored four touchdowns a year ago, and four touchdowns may not seem like much until you consider that DK Metcalf only scored six. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's the thing is that Goodwin, in the number of opportunities that he had, he produced, he, he showed the ability to kind of raise his game. When Tyler Lockett went down with the injury, Marquise Goodwin was one of the guys who kind of stepped up his play. Now, of course, as we just mentioned, um, you, you hope that you see more from D. Eskridge. He has a similar type of game in some respects. And he's a short, squattier guy with elite quickness, doesn't have the elite straight line speed that Goodwin has. Derek Young is completely different type of a wide receiver, of course, and we saw some flashes from him as well. But for the amount of money that you're going to be talking about here, and the, the I think that Goodwin is one of those players who is worth more to a team like Seattle that is going to run the football as much as they are. They're going to go to play action. They're going to look to hit you over the top. I think that, again, Goodwin is worth more to a club like that. You put Goodwin in a team like the Chicago Bears, a soldier field in the mud and the grass, He's not going to, you're not taking advantage of his straight line speed quite as much. So I don't think that Goodwin is going to get a lot of the interest on the free agent market. But at the same time, I think that he's going to be somebody that Seattle very much going to be kind of keeping an eye on, hoping to keep that dialogue going and likely being able to bring him back. But as you said, after the draft, because there could be a wide receiver that Seattle falls in love with that just happens to fall into their lap and he's just viewed as, as too good to pass up. But if not, you, you feel good that you have that kind of 
backup plan, that insurance plan um, in, in Marquise Goodwin you can bring back and, and feel good that he already has the rapport. He already has demonstrated that leadership. And similar to what we talked about previously, like Adrian Peterson, the impact that he had on Rashad Penny with Bruce Irvin and the impact that he presumably had with Daryl Taylor. I wonder if Goodwin can't have that type of impact on D. Eskridge. Again, we didn't see that turn into production for Eskridge a year ago, but maybe this is the year where D. Uh, raises his level of play. Um, I think that Goodwin is exactly the type of mentor, along with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, of course, to pro- hopefully provide that for the Seattle. You got to have something to push Eskridge to see if you can yep. just get anything out of him. But really, the biggest problem has just been health. Can you keep him healthy? And then if he is able to stay on the field, then maybe the mentorship from Goodwin and some of the others would be able to come into play. And Seattle can finally unearth some of that potential that they thought they were bringing in when they drafted Eskridge in the second round of Western Michigan a couple of years ago. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Check out Locked on Seahawks. We're available on all major podcast platforms and streaming video form five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on tomorrow's episode, we are going to be kicking off our offseason blueprint. We're going to look at the offensive side of the football, maybe some projections, talking what we think the Seahawks should do and what they may do on the offensive side of the football. Going to be a jam-packed Wednesday episode. I hope you'll be joining us. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Go Hawks.